the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Then he says, God, I don't know why after I was conceived that you didn't at least let me be a stillborn baby so that I didn't have to suffer this. But then, God, if you were to let me be conceived and if you weren't going to take me as a baby, why don't you just take me now? Kill me, God. That's depression. It's not logical. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Old Testament word studies, this word integrity means wholeness, entireness, his integrity of mind, his uprightness, his innocence. It's the English word we get the word entire from. It's saying from his whole being, there was no part of him that lost his integrity. He wasn't thinking wrongly. He wasn't speaking wrongly. He was living a godly life. It's the opposite of duplicity. It's the opposite of hypocrisy. He was not divided. He had nothing to hide, nothing to fear. It's what Proverbs 10, 9 says. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. It's God's principle of our sin. When we go to God with our sin, what we uncover By his shed blood and as a result of his grace, he covers. But as we go through life hiding the secret sins of our heart, what we cover, you rest assured one day he'll uncover. When when he uncovers it, usually the cost is far greater. So what Job was doing was demonstrating that he could have a testimony that outlasts him. And that should be our prayer as Christ's followers. God, give me a testimony that outlasts my life. Help me live in such a way that if my life ends, you continue to get glory to God. So in verse three, it says he holds fast. It speaks of self-control and and watchfulness. It's it's what Peter's talking about in that familiar passage when he says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith. You know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. So when you're going through these difficulties, look and just ask yourself, I wonder what kind of conversations are going on in heaven. It doesn't mean we look for a devil behind every bush. It doesn't mean when your car runs out of gas that Satan's out to get you. Maybe you just needed to stop by the 7-Eleven and put some gas in it. But it does mean that we have an enemy that, yes, he can affect us physically. And yes, he can affect those practical things in our life. And yes, he can play in our emotions. So that's why James says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come near to God. He'll come near to you. Wash your hands, sinners, purify your hearts. You're double-minded. It's that principle that as Christ followers, we can't coast even for a day. We don't have the liberty to put it in cruise control. 
When we put it in cruise control, we mess up and we go backwards. We lose the fire that burns within us. The old preacher Vance Havner used to say that we have a problem in our society today. Too many Christians are getting used to the dark. We're comfortable. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says we submit and we resist and our enemy flees. We submit, we resist, and our enemy flees. So how do we do that? This is a sermon in itself, but let me give it to you in a sentence. You gotta learn to recognize that enemy out there and then do these three things. Expect his attacks, detect his attacks, and then reject his attacks. Recognize that you've got an enemy that's out to get you, he's after you and your mama. He wants to destroy not your life, but your testimony. So expect that. Learn to see the warning signs and then reject it. He may not go far away. He may strategically relocate for another round of attacks like he did with Job. Hey, I don't want to say much about this because we're going to spend a whole time talking about Job's friends. But after Job and his wife had it out, his friends showed up. I want to read that to you. Job chapter two, verse 11. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shulite, and Zophar, the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to come and show him sympathy and comfort. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. Hey, have you ever come upon somebody that was so covered in grief or the difficulties of life so had them down that they looked physically different? That's what's described here. They didn't even recognize him. So they raised their voices and they wept and they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven and they sat with him on the ground seven days, seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him for they saw that his suffering was very great. I want to tell you, these guys are going to blow it in a couple of chapters. These are, are going to appear to be not the best friends in the world. But I want us to learn something from their entry into the scene. They did three things that demonstrated very good and healthy friendship. Can I just give you those? First of all, they just showed up. You know who a friend is? A friend's that person that runs in when everybody else runs out. And if you've ever been through a tough time, if you ever felt like I needed somebody, you learned who your friends were. You learned who was there walking with you through the valley, through the difficulty. They just showed up. Then secondly, they shared in his pain. Don't you find it interesting that they got there and and they began to shave their heads and they began to tear their clothes and they began to put the ashes on top of them. Why was that? They couldn't know what he was going through. But they could empathize with him. They could share and feel with him. You you don't have to. Matter of fact, stop saying, I know what you're going through. Because you probably don't. So don't say it. It's just words. But you can say, I hurt with you. I don't know how you feel or what exactly you're facing But because I love you, I hurt. I look at the journey my wife and I have been on the last six months. 
And I don't know anything of the pain and the fear and the anxiety, the difficulty that she's felt. But I'm going to tell you what, when I see her coupled up with those feelings and emotions, I hurt with her, not because I feel it, but because I love her. They showed up, but then get this third thing. (laughs) They shut up. Now remember, they didn't stay shut up. They blow it. But here, this is the first seven days. You know what they said? Nothing. Nada. Zilch. Why? They didn't need to say anything. They just needed to show up. It's the ministry of presence. It's that thing we walk into a hospital room or in a grief-stricken state and, and we say, well, I don't know what to say. Don't. You don't have to say anything. And Lord knows those who are hurting, they're not expecting you to say anything. They don't know what to say back to you either. They're grieving. Just be there. Well, what happens next? It stinks. Depression sets in. I'll be honest, if Job chapter three were the only glimpse we had in his life, man, we would be miserable. It's pretty sorry because it's just filled with, with his why questions. By the way, you do know it's scripturally okay to ask the question why. Why the storms have come. Don't feel like you're, you're losing your faith when you ask why. You have a God that's big enough to handle your why questions. In fact, you have a God that has told you every temptation, every suffering time that is common to you, he's already experienced and felt. And in fact, you have a God that it says in Matthew, he understands what it's like to say why. He's a God who said, why? Why have you forsaken me? So Job enters into discouragement, depression. And, and those of you that have been through this, knows this know this is kind of the way it works. You know, it's interesting. I've just learned it's pretty common. For example, with a battle of cancer. If a person is blessed to be able to survive a battle with cancer, you, and a lot of you, I'm looking at a lot of you that have gone through this in different ways. You know what I've heard? Often you gear up and you fight it and you're the fighter that you make it through it. And then you know what happens after you found out, okay, I made it. We survived the treatment, we're, we're going forward. Man, your body just lets down and your emotions and your mind lets down and, and you enter into discouragement. Same time when you're walking through any kind of grief or even those practical relational things like divorce, this discouragement comes in. Just listen to some of Job's discouragement. Listen to Job chapter three, verse one. After this, Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day of his birth. So he didn't curse God, but he said, I cursed the day I was born. Verse three, let the day perish on which I was born and the night that that, that said a man is conceived. So Job is saying, you want to go back to where this all began? It began on the night that I was conceived. Curse that night. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at missionhillchurch.com. 
Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Look at verse 11. Why did I not die at birth and come out of the womb and expire? What's he saying? Well, he makes it clear in verse 16. Why was I not hidden as a stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? And then he goes on in verse 20. Why is light given to him who's in misery and life to the bitter soul, who longs for death, but it it comes not? He digs for more than hidden treasures. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest. No trouble comes, he says in verse 26. He's asking, I don't know why I was ever conceived. Then he says, God, I don't know why after I was conceived that you didn't at least let me be a stillborn baby so that I didn't have to suffer this. But then God, if you were to let me be conceived and if you weren't going to take me as a baby, why don't you just take me now? Kill me God. That's depression. It's not logical. Depression is this capture that gets you into a room and deceives you and makes you think something about yourself that is not true. But it's a reality. And in circles like this in the church as the body of Christ, we have to talk about that reality. We have to acknowledge that though Job never said, I'm going to take my own life, he was very discouraged. And you know the good news? Our God can handle even that. So let me just tell you how, how this thing plays out. I think if I look at that chapter, I was really just praying through that. What, what do I take away from chapter three? I, I think the first thing I, I need is storms happen. Put that on your bumper sticker. Storms happen. Jeremiah 20, the prophet says, curse be the day on which I was born, the day when my mother bore me. Let it be blessed. It's interesting. I don't really know what it means, but I, I have to say it's interesting. Just if you, if you study my vocation, some of the greatest, most impactful preachers that have ever lived, both in scripture, but even in modern times, have struggled with depression. Because I think you're just in the midst of the storms, whether it's your storms or other people's storms all the time. Storms happen. Well, what happens in the light of the storms? The storms of life can make us hard and they can make us honest. You know, it's easy for our faith to be about platitudes and bumper stickers when everything's going okay. It's easy to put a picture of a bird singing on Facebook and a nice little verse if everything's hunky-dory in your life. It's a little tougher to live that out in the hard and the honest moments of life. But when we get honest, we stop asking how I get out of this and we start asking what can I get out of this. Man, my prayer for for you in the storms of life would be that you would say, God, I, I don't like this storm. I'm ready for you to deliver me from this storm, but God, I want to get everything out of this stormy season that you want me to get out of it. Teach me in the midst of the storm. Another thing I see in Job is the storms of life, they really do make us homesick for heaven, don't they? I like life a lot, but I really am at the place where I think, oh, Jesus, whenever you're ready, I am. You see, as a Christ follower, we get that 
sense in our life that we weren't created for this world. We were created for another home. It's what Job is saying in verse 13. For I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have gone to sleep. I would have been at rest. So again, still he wasn't cursing God. He was saying, God, go ahead and take me so I can be with you. I know everything would be okay if I could be with you. But that's part of the why moment. God, why, do you, why are you leaving me? What is it you're still doing? What are you working out? Again, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 57 and verse one says, good people pass away. The godly often die before their time, but no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from evil to come. For those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die. Then I think Job's reminding us that Jesus can handle the storms of our life. He can handle the storms of our life. He specializes in storm management. Remember the story of Jesus in the midst of a storm? He's in a boat. What did he say? Hey, chill out, storm. That was the original Greek. Peace. We won't always understand it, but he's always at work. In in John 13, he says, it says, Jesus answered him in verse seven and says, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Hey, whatever you're facing or whatever you will face, I want you to remember, it's not taking God off guard. There's already been a conversation held in the heavenlies about your circumstances. Maybe you should ask this question. And maybe rather than wallowing in the pain, you just need to start asking, God, well, what is it that's going on here? What spiritual conversations are being had that I need to glorify you in the midst of? How, How important is it that I live in such a way to demonstrate that you're working for my good and your glory in this life? See, the reality, some of the storms we face are unexplainable. But fortunately, we live on promises, not explanations. Do you get that church? You're not going to understand everything. Let me just give you an example. So God and Satan are talking. God says, hey, you know, you know my God, Job. And I don't think we have the whole story because Satan, who's not all knowing, he's not ever present. He knows God's God and he's not. I think this is what he says. What do you mean do I know Job? Of course I know Job. You just told me to go attack Job and I attacked Job and, and he didn't even curse you. Yes, I know Job. And then God says these words, and it doesn't make sense. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands. I don't get it. I do not understand that. And sometimes I'll never know why. And you've walked through something in life, and some of you have spent a year Five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years trying to understand the death of your child, the death of your loved one, the reason you went through abuse, the reason your marriage didn't work out or or the whys of life. The reality is you may never understand that. Robert Adler said, this is a hard lesson for some believers to learn, especially if they feel they've been promised health and wealth or they've misunderstood that God's wonderful plan for their lives involves only pleasantness and not trouble. Believers on this side of the cross have many more examples from both the Bible and church history of God's people who have suffered. Yet Job was much more in the dark. Yet out of that darkness, his strong belief in the sovereignty of God shone forth all the more brilliantly.
he rested in God's promises. He knew that his God was unchangeable, unshakable. He understood that he didn't have to have all the answers. The old preacher used to say, too many of us Christians are sitting on our premises rather than resting in his promises. Maybe today you're, you're trying to figure it all out. And God, God really would just, with a big old bear hug, just wrap his arms around you and squeeze you tight and just say, stop. Just trust me. That's the only way Trisha can say, <laughs> I didn't get bitter. That's the only way you could say, I just kept turning to, to the word and to prayer and saying, God, I need you. Because you just trust that he's there. Well, a lot of college students in the room and young families. Maybe, maybe I'm kind of talking over you. Maybe you haven't had the real stormy time yet. How, how do you prepare? How, how, do you, how do you make sure you know, I want to be ready? How do I prepare for the storms as I go through every day of my life? That's the question I want to answer to leave you. See, the strength for weathering the storms is forged in the choices that we make every day. We just determine to trust him and be ready. I spend most days beginning with Oswald Chambers. Listen to what he says. We presume that we'd be ready for battle if we were confronted with a great crisis. But it's not the crisis that builds something within us. It simply reveals what we're made of already. Do you find yourself saying, if God calls me to battle, of course I'll rise to the occasion. Yet you won't rise to the occasion unless you've done so on God's training ground. If you're not doing the task that's closest to you now, which God has engineered into your life, when the crisis comes, instead of being fit for battle, you'll be revealed as being unfit. Crisis always reveals a person's true character. A private relationship of worshiping God is the greatest essential element of spiritual fitness. See, it's in the daily time of just saying, God, I'm going to trust you in what I don't understand. Because I believe what the prophet Isaiah said. Can I remind you? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How do you handle the the hurricanes, the stormy seasons of life? There's only one way. You got to trust the one that can handle the storms. But don't miss this. It's not because Jesus is the great Santa Claus in the sky. He's not the great grandpappy that says, come sit on my lap. Everything's going to be okay. He's not the wonderful wizard. It's because he's a glorious savior. It's the truth of the gospel. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, once and for all, he demonstrated that truth that no sin, no sickness, no storm of life had ultimate power over him as your God. See, he crushed your circumstances under his feet on the cross of Calvary. That's how you handle the storm. 
You trust what he did on the cross. And some of you, I love you deeply. I've I've been blessed for a few years now to be your pastor, but there's no doubt you've trusted Christ for your salvation. And, And if life were to end today, you would spend eternity with him in heaven, but you're not trusting him to handle the storms of, of your life. And it's the same gospel. It's the same power that gives you satisfaction in those stormy moments. And my prayer for you today is that you, you would trust the one who can truly handle the storms. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.